Hi, Kylie. You want to tell the people a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Hi. Uh, well, I guess first, thank you guys for, for listening to this uh, little interview. I'm James Mashavecchio, Artistic Director of Cave Theatre Company, uh, along with director and adapter and voice actor on an episode, which is very surreal. Uh, yeah, that's, that's me. And uh, Kylie, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? I am Kylie Etling. I am a um, director of operations for a cave theater company. Uh, I am an actor in the Chrysalids. You've only heard me on one episode so far, but I'm coming for you on the rest. Don't worry. You get your own episode one day. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm the uh, baby watcher while we're recording. <laughs> um, baby but wrangler. I'm also. Yeah, exactly, which works out well because I'm also um, the one who does uh, the outreach for Cave Theater Company. I mm-hmm, teach mm-hmm. whenever there are after-school programs. I whenever teach, that's a thing. Exactly, in non-pandemic times. I wrangle children at a uh, elementary school in Brooklyn. Woo! Awesome. Well, we thought that uh, this week we would give you guys a little uh, Q&A. So we've got Kylie here who's going to ask me a few questions about the about the adaptation. And uh, yeah, really excited to, to hear what she's going to ask. In case you were curious about what goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. for Cave Theater's podcast. Mm-hmm. My first question for you, Mr. Meshvecchio, mm-hmm. and I think probably one of the most important, is what exactly drew you to this story of the chrysalids? Ah, so yes, uh, I first read this story almost 15 years ago and it's crazy that i can say that i read a book 15 years ago uh when it was uh in an anthology uh of really cool science fiction and at the time it was called rebirth and i think the thing that drew me to the piece in the first place was how realistic it felt uh everything that happens in this you know futurism aside seems fairly realistic to how it would something like this would play out you know a little bit of a handmaid's tale situation a little bit of a handmaid's tale situation a little bit of a handmaid's tale situation a little bit of the village got some flashes Mm -hmm. of the village in here Mm -hmm. uh but just that idea of a a society rebuilding itself after a devastating event cataclysmic event and that idea of going back to an agrarian society and dealing with uh, how humans evolve and adapt over time and where we fight against the future time and time again. Right. Which actually leads me to my next question, (laughs) which is how do you think this story is relevant to what's going on in our absolutely insane world now? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... That, yeah, that's a very multi-layered question. Uh, 
considering you've got this puritanical overtone of the society that uh, David, uh, the character we are following through his journey, uh, lives in, is sort of where I can kind of see an unchecked religious society going. Like going off the rails. Going off the rails and reacting to, I mean, my whole thing, this is my theology, very limited <laughs> not the official of, opinion of not the official <laughs> <laughs> no that uh a lot of our historical texts including or a lot of our biblical texts were written in response to something that actually happened right. and we get these myths we get these stories through uh just that's our history and that's kind of how history kind of grew so you know we explain things through religion and through myth that we can't explain in front of us so Faced with a society where all of a sudden humans are mutating, uh, growing appendages, they don't look how humans have looked for, for hundreds of thousands of years, they're going to come up with reasons to explain that away. And it seems very true to that. So where we are as a society now is we have a whole this whole idea of what in ourselves is malleable and what is fixed. And where are we going as a society and where is humanity going? Are we embracing changes as they arrive in us? Are we, uh, or are we fighting back against it? You know, you can look at, there was a huge pushback uh, only maybe about a year ago with the first babies that were born using CRISPR technology and whether or not that is a thing. So we are technologically moving towards that idea of what is human is adaptable. So what I think is timely about this is because it really explores what is natural adaptation and what is supernatural. Right. And everything is, so, you know, you have this whole idea of the religious uh, right pushing back on everything from identity to sexuality and all of that. What is natural? What is an adaptation? You know, who are we to say what is, what that is? So who are we to judge it and regulate it? Right. And so this is kind of showing a world where things like that are regulated and people are persecuted just for something that is completely out of their control that is most likely perfectly natural. You know, the adaptation, the mutation that David and his friends have of being telepaths, that is, could easily just be the next step. Right. You know, we a could positive be evolution. A positive one instead right. of, you know, it's it's understandable. There's a there's a section coming up, a little forward thing that talks about teaser. Little <laughs> teaser about areas and lands that the deviations have grown unchecked, but as long as anyone everyone can contribute to society, they're accepted as they are. And I think that that is such a positive message and that's something that I like to think is a good way forward and why I think this piece is timely, you know, talking about unseen changes, unseen evolution. Right. And the idea of people being othered Mm -hmm. for being different, people being chastised for being different and what is the ideal? What is the norm? Who's to say what the norm is? Is it this book? Is it this uh, person who actually even, you know, if, and I think it's in episode two, we talk about it, that 
repentance is where they get the definition of man came hundreds of years after the event. Right. He didn't know. Right, right. <laughs> Who's this Nicholson guy to say right. what is right and what is wrong? But when we're terrified and seeking comfort, people look for it wherever they can find it. <laughs> exactly. Which is a good segue into my next yes. question. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've been able to hear those of you listening while we've been having our conversation, the subway in the background, mm-hmm. maybe a significant mm-hmm. other tinkering around in the kitchen. Um, so my next question is, how has the experience been with producing and directing um, in a new medium during this pandemic? So producing something in a podcast format versus on stage. Well, it's funny because I feel like this brings us back a lot to our former Torchlight days in mm. a bit of a way. Uh, throwing it back to old school cave Thrown theater. Throwing back old school <laughs> cave theater 1.0. It, <laughs> you know, it's it's directing in a new medium. That's one thing. Directing a serial is right. also completely different. Adapting it ourselves is a whole nother. So there's so many different aspects of this that are both firsts and uh, just what we normally do, just kind of twisted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been crazy. You know, it's this idea of we're back to producing on a schedule, which we right. haven't done in a really long Hallelujah. time. And just that, <laughs> just the idea of like, all right, we've got a deadline. We got to get it done. Doesn't yeah. matter. This is what we got to do. Um, and Which that's, is great during this time. It's great during this time because we need structure right now. Mm-hmm. There is no time. Time is meaningless, so we mm. have to make the structure on our own. It's almost um, November. It's insane. I can't. I can't even I can't. imagine. It's so crazy. Uh, so we're just, you know, we're we try to do as much prep as we can, but of course, you know, we're learning how to edit sound more so than you know, we've had to before, you know, it's Mm. an entirely different way of storytelling, you know, but, and it's so much faster, you know, we would rehearse something for months and now, you know, most takes, we rehearse it a couple times, we record it a couple times and then that's it. We got to move on because it's just, you got to kind of keep going. Um, Your focus changes when you're editing and putting it together because, you're no longer looking to capture entire moments. You can you can pull out beats and be like, all right, this one was really good and it matches up with this one. So I do enjoy, I won't lie, a little bit more of the control that I have in the finished product. <laughs> uh, you know, I wanted someone to take an extra little beat. I'm just going to space those two sentences out a little <laughs> bit further. So that's great. Um but it's also cool kind of being able to utilize people in ways that we wouldn't be able to physically. You right. know, we can cast old people as young people. We could do vice versa. You know, we when you're not beholden to how someone looks, it opens up a whole new world of casting opportunities and really finding the people who fit and not just physically, but also emotionally. And right. it's great. It's, it's really great. It's a lot, but it's also really great. I've personally enjoyed listening to, we're using um, a lot of old friends and actors that we've worked with on other projects or that some of us have worked with in, with other companies and things. And I'm enjoying hearing people's voices just on their mm-hmm. own and hearing how interesting the qualities are um, as opposed to someone that we're doing. Uh, um, Chopper's recorded already. 
Oh yeah, Chopper. Chris, Christian Jacobs. His oh, voice my God. is so cool. And I'm used to doing shows with Chopper on a stage in front of 300 people yelling over a bunch of drunk people with the drinking game MYC. Shout out. Um, but so I'm used to hearing him yell and be over the top and really big, and he's uh, this huge presence. I'm not used to hearing him in such an intimate, cool oh, space. It's so good. I would listen to him read. Almost yeah. anything. So I'm enjoying that part as well. It's yeah. kind of like our own little version of The Voice. <laughs> Are you going to spin around your ta- your chair? I choose you. Who's that? Dun-dun-dun-dun! Oh. <laughs> but no, you're right. It's been great getting to know a lot of these drinking game people because I, I haven't worked with, with Chopper or even Nicole Jorgensen right. as well. And it's been they've been absolutely wonderful. Nicole is like, she shows up, she does it, she kills it. And yep. that like, talk about just like someone who knows what they're doing which yep. is absolutely amazing and our shia too we're happy to have our, our shia, shia back Aww. who was with us on our last project that we got to do in the real world <laughs> yeah oh my goodness so long ago yeah it'll happen oh. again but yeah. actually that leads me into my next question which is Yay. how do you feel about the process of making art during a pandemic i mean this is a time when a lot of people are feeling really down really we already talked a little bit about how it's nice to have a schedule again which mm-hmm. we totally feel a lot of us have been you know either not working or working from home and kind of all shifted. So how do you feel about making art during this time? I think, well, I think it's important to, to keep working mm. on our own projects because, because like you said, now we are, most of us are working from home or that leaving the house is no longer a given. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to just get mired down in, the nuts and bolts of what you're doing to survive you know Mm -hmm. we you know you know this we are both my wife and I are working from home Daniela our producer on this uh we're both working from home full-time we have a small child we basically are living in our living room and all of a sudden your whole life just revolves around all right I've got to take this meeting and then I've got to feed the baby and then I've got to do the dishes and I've got to do, you know, and now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. dishes have tripled because you're eating every single meal in your home. Right. And so you kind of start to lose that sense of like one yourself in that because now you're just focused on getting through everything. And then just that sense of what it is to create something. And I, I won't lie. I do miss that sort of beginning of the pandemic creative hobby burst that yeah. I think everyone had. The bread making phase. The bread making phase was so great. <laughs> I took up like cross stitching and like I need to finish one. You know, it's I miss that sort of That's back you know, when we all thought it was like a set amount of time. We were like, yeah. we have two months. What can we do oh, in God. two months? This is gonna this be great. I'm gonna lose so some weight. Cool. I'm gonna do this oh, workout absolutely uh-huh eight months later. Yeah. Here we are. Still uh, here. <laughs> still here. Still here. Uh Danielle is apparently not going back into in person until March. At yeah. April at this point. In New York, you know? it's so interesting because we're all so used to constantly being on the go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you pack your bag in the morning, you take it with you all day, make sure you have everything that you need from the beginning of the day until you get home at nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think it has been an interesting time for all of us to kind of like settle in and making art again feels good. It does. It's it's good to get back to doing something that feels productive right. and not in a way that is economically productive right feels more emotionally productive to be able just to like knock something out with your friends yeah which is good and last question for you Mm -hmm. mr jamas yeah uh what do you hope that people take away from this story 
especially during this whole time. If, you know, maybe listening to our podcast is something they get to relax and do during this stressful time. What do you hope people take away? I think the biggest takeaway should be to be as open-minded as possible to the world around them. Mm. That your point of view, the point of view you were raised with is never something that should, that you should always explore it. You should always question it. Even if you come from whatever your background is, no matter religious, atheistic, always question your background because we have this idea that we are born into the right thing. Mm. And it's very hard to say, like, my point of view, my worldview is wrong. It's a very difficult thing to challenge that. And I think that if we all kind of explored that just a little bit more and just really changed your own perspective, even just for a day of just sitting there considering, all right, this is the structure that I was brought up in. Is this truly the best way that this could be? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know what, you look at your life and think, wow, this was amazing. I feel loved. I can give love and everything's amazing. Then great. Congratulations. I'm happy that that is <laughs> yeah, lucky you, know, you. Lucky you. Yeah. But if you look around and say like, well, there are people who think that what I'm putting forth in the world is negative. You might think it's positive, but you should always question it. You should always examine it. It's okay to learn. It's okay to grow. It's okay to change your mind. Changing your mind is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Right now it's really hard for a lot of people to do that. But things being so polarized and so tense and scary and, you know, so much unknown happening. And I think that's a very good lesson for people to take away. It's okay to learn and change. And it's also okay to say that I don't know. Right. That I just, I don't know. You know, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. Right. If it works for you, it works for you. But if it doesn't work for me, then I'm going to find something else too. So right. I think that's, I mean, that's ultimately the moral of the piece is just, there's always a different way to look at the world. And there's always a different point of view. And you should never be stuck in one way. Right. You can live in one way and that's fine, but don't stay there forever. That makes sense. Learn, change, evolve. Learn, change, exactly. Sounds like a good message. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Wow, this has been a good time. I'm trying to think if there's anything maybe I want to ask you. How are you finding this process? It's interesting. It's very interesting. I mean, you know me. I'm not usually a sci-fi lover, and I Mm -mm. will admit that to everyone listening. I don't know. this is a stretch to call this sci-fi. Right. So I was going to say that I do love this story. It's a very good story. I was, I was, uh, when James presented this to us at the beginning, I was a bit skeptical because I'm not usually a laser gun kind of gal, but I, <laughs> there are no laser guns in this story. Um, and I enjoy it a lot. I think you're right when you talk about it being like a universal story, talking about, you know, people and, mindset and changing and growing and evolution and all that. And I, I really enjoy the story a lot. I also like the recording aspect. It's, it's really great to be able to make art from home and to, you know, not have to put pants on. Yes. Oh, you know? it's the best. Are you wearing pants? Shane? I am actually wearing pants. Look at you. But let's be real here. They're like joggers that look like pants. So. <laughs> that counts. Do they have a zipper? They do, but they also have a drawstring. 
oh, that would be my dog. And one of that's now that on the on the harder side, that is one of the challenges okay. of this. Um, you know, we got these fancy new microphones to help everybody record, and my goodness, do so they pick up everything? They're so good. They're so <laughs> good. Great. So that's been a slight challenge, and you know, you have a small child under two, so do we, and they can be quite, quite loud. unpredictable. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to recording the next episode, and yeah. I hope that all of you listening are looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. Thanks Should we for... come in your way next week? Yes. Well, two weeks. Two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the episodes that we have put out and uh, kind of joining us on this sort of impromptu Q and a behind the scenes. Hopefully we can do a few more of these down the line. You know, exactly. Just so to... if you have any questions about the story or the process, yeah. hit us up on Instagram or Facebook and uh, maybe contact one of our future at... Q and A's. Yeah, yeah, contact at capetheater.org. That's always a good place to shoot us any questions you have. Exactly. Uh, awesome. And we'll be talking to you soon. Great. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks, James. The Chrysalids by John Wyndham is licensed by Paper Line Limited. Copyright held by the estate of John Wyndham. Adapted and directed for podcast format by James Mashavecchio. Series produced by Cave Theatre Company. Title music by John J. Kelly. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. This podcast wouldn't exist without the support of our listeners. Your donations keep the lights on. If you would like to make a tax-deductible donation, check out the link in our show notes. Cave Theatre Company is a registered 501c3.